Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Race for the Ring, episode 136. Breaking Cycle of Addiction with Sherry Gaba. Welcome to The Race for the Ring, the podcast about dating and embracing self-love and inner confidence. I'm your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, two-time author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and soon-to-be psychotherapist. Since re-entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye-opening. In an age of online swiping and in-person meetups, I found the world of love and lust has been a confusing place to be. So each week, we will chat with a different dating king or queen, socialite, or relationship expert and explore the many facets of dating today and come up with our clear plan on how to find the finest fish in the sea. Ready, set, go! Hey guys, welcome back to the Race for the Ring. I am Mindy Barnett coming at ya. I have such a great guest today. Her name is Sherry Gaba, and she's going to talk with us all about love addiction and the very um, common factors between substance abuse and love abuse in a sense, not abusing in a relationship, but like when you are addicted to love and what that looks like and why that's so unhealthy for you. Um, our guest, as I mentioned, is Sherry Gaba. She is a cycle relationship addiction, codependency, and toxic partnerships expert. She's also a licensed psychotherapist, coach, author, and founder of Wake Up Recovery. She's been featured on VH1 Celebrity Rehab and lots of other media and things of that nature. And now she's on the race for the ring. <laughs> I'm so excited to have her. She's going to talk to us a lot about, like, as I mentioned, love addiction, what that is, what that looks like. How do you know if you're falling into the trap? Um, who's most prone to have, being a love addict? We dive into narcissism a little bit because the two tend to go hand in hand um, in terms of the personalities that attract one another. Also codependency and the difference between love addiction and codependency. And we, we kind of get into some trauma too. So it was a really, really good conversation. Super eye-opening. I cannot wait for you to meet Sherry Gaba.
Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be on your podcast. Oh my God, you have so much great information and such a unique um, lane, I think, overall in the relationship space. I, I can't wait to dive into it. Let's go through a little bit about your background, if you could kind of like share with um, all the listeners a little bit how you got into this um, niche of love addiction and helping people kind of unfold some of that um, negativity, to say the least, and the attachment that they unhealthily have with some of their uh, suitors, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all about not, no shame and no blame. I've been married multiple times, multiple relationships that I've been in. And I realized um, I was focused a lot on the addict. I was married to an alcoholic. And that was how the journey sort of started. And I, I went, you know, why do I keep focusing on the addict when I'm not an addict? Although I am an addict, turns out. I'm a love addict. So it's, an, it's basically... Um, an obsession with somebody else. Um, you can be obsessed with romance. I mean, I can go into what love addiction is, but it really usually is because there's some trauma piece. So most people that struggle with any kind of addiction, there's usually something that's happened to them. They've been abandoned, neglected, abused. And in my case, I was a premature baby, um, probably quite a bit older than you, Mindy. And in those days- I don't know about that. I'll stop you right there. I doubt it. I don't know. I'm 49, so- but okay. People kind of don't realize my age, but I am a grandma. I have a seven-year-old and a two-year-old grandchildren. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would never yeah. guess that. Yeah. Okay. I try to stay young at heart. Um, yeah. But in those days, they didn't allow moms to hold the babies so that so so the germs wouldn't be passed on. So now they know that children or babies or infants they need that nurturing and they need that bonding and they need that touch from their. Um, caregiver when, you know, they come into the world and I didn't get any of that. So being in an incubator for two and a half months, I really was set up to be, you know, kind of a love addict, other focused, you know, please pick me up <laughs> condition. Yeah. Translated, yeah. please love me. And so that turned into settling for less, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places. And um, that's kind of how it morphed from addiction, codependency and love addiction. And toxic relationships, because if you're a love addict or a codependent, you're going to be more of a magnet for a toxic relationship. Yeah, because they sense that, right? Like the other partner or what have you. Um, can I just ask you a question in regards to being the, the preemie? So were, were that situation not able to kind of um, work itself out or, uh, you know, uh, fill that void, so to speak, uh, after you were taken out of the incubator and you, or growing up with your mom and dad or it's a not to get too much into your childhood? I mean, I was, it was just interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely loved. I definitely felt love. Um, but, you know, my mother worked, she worked from the get-go. I was, you know, left with babysitters. Um, my mother also had her own neglect growing up. So she kind of sometimes couldn't really connect as well as perhaps would have been helpful for someone, you know, starting out in life like that. Um, mm -hmm. So the way it really worked out was once I had this last divorce, I realized I just can't keep doing this. I can't keep feeling so empty when I'm not with someone. I have to learn how to be on my own and be okay. I mean, so many people really do struggle with like, I can't be alone. And, and I was one of them. And it put me in a lot of, um, I was really, you know, predators, you know, I was like fair game really for predators. Mm -hmm. So I finally started working on myself. And the thing that worked the most is trauma therapy and being a licensed therapist, I started to learn everything I could about trauma and polyvagal theory and tapping and all these different ways of 
being able to be inside yourself. Because again, the opposite of addiction is, is connection. And if we can connect first with ourselves, then we can healthily connect with somebody else. That's so interesting. So um, let's talk a little bit about what some of the signs are in case any of our listeners are basically love addicts or know of a friend that might be um, unfortunately dealing with that situation. Um, So love addiction is a process addiction. It's a little different than like a substance abuse addiction. So obviously a substance abuse is a substance. Process addictions can be, it can be food, it can be Gosh, it can be gambling, it could be sex, it could be exercise, it could be shopping. And for a love addict, it's your whole identity. Everything is based on being coupled up. So when a breakup occurs, just like an addict needs their fix, a love addict is longing for that attachment figure. Um, often love addicts have a very anxious attachment style. A lot of people know about all the different attachment styles, avoidant, dismissive, avoidant, anxious attachment Love addicts generally have anxious attachment, but they can also be dismissive where they go back and forth from avoidant to anxious. But they um, they just live in a lot of fear. They have a lot of abandonment issues. They're afraid of being rejected. Um, they really need someone else to feel whole. They don't feel whole within themselves. They're always looking for others for affirmation, which is often what a codependent does as well. There's, there's a lot of overlap between a codependent mm-hmm. and a love addict. Um, again, they fear abandonment. There's withdrawal symptoms. And basically, you give up who you are to be with that person. You know, you lose your sense of self. A codependent can be a codependent and not be codependent on a person. It can be codependent on other things like work or church or school or, or pleasing others, needing lots of validation. Love addict is specifically for relationship addiction. <clears throat> As you're saying that, I'm like, I think I'm a codependent on my job. Like, I definitely throw myself into my work and I'm like overextended and I love it. In fact, I had um, lunch with a friend today and she's like, how are you doing all this stuff? <laughs> like, I don't know, I'm just doing it. But I guess I feed off of that. That's interesting that It's you a say great that. distraction. Um, if, mm-hmm. You know, it's only an addiction really if it's unmanageable. Like, if you feel like everything else is going by the wayside, you're not taking care of yourself, there's lack of self-care. Mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. validation from your work. You know, I was on television years ago on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, mm-hmm. and I did a lot of news shows, and I was really like in the, in the, I guess, semi-spotlight. And when that mm-hmm. ended, it didn't feel very good because that became like a huge, you know, distraction. It became sort of another addiction. And right. so as long as you don't make something your focus, and addicts tend to cross-addict. You know, if you're not addicted to this, you get addicted to that. So um, yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about it if, if your life is pretty much. Oh, no, I know. I was just, I could see that. There's, I, I, I think I'm not maladaptive about it, but I can right. see that it definitely feels like, because I'm not in a relationship, so it definitely fills the void in, in that oh, way. Yeah. Which, I understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote one of my books, you know, when I was completely single because it was just a great distraction. It fills up a void. Yeah. It's something to do. <laughs> I went back to graduate. I went in graduate school for psychotherapy, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Filling a lots of voids. Okay. All right. That's, very interesting. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the reasons why women especially um, would be a love addict. Um, and it, it, obviously the trauma factor that you mentioned earlier and, and any other factors, because I think today in today's day and age, we think, you know, women, they're, we're so in, independent. So many aren't getting married like at, at all or later in life because they're very career driven and career minded and, you know, having kids later in life, if they choose to have kids at all and things like that. But the reality is there are so many of us that are indeed 
in this, um, you know, unfortunate pattern of, of, of love addiction, correct? Yeah. And I would even add the caveat of toxic relationships. I think mm-hmm. the biggest reason that we get into these toxic relationships is because we're trying to fill a void and then we end up settling for less. And I think it really does stem usually from some kind of trauma where your needs weren't met and your parents weren't available. Maybe you had a parent that was divorced and you became sort of a parentified child where you became sort of their parent. Um, the bottom line is if you're not getting your needs met, you, you feel invisible. You feel like there's like, there's no bond, you know, besides the bonding, there's no like connection. There's no validation. There's no, um, I see you. I, I validate you. I acknowledge you. I, if you don't have those things and you're going to probably look outside for those sources. And so I would say love addiction and toxic relationships stems from some kind of early trauma, but you know, there are people that end up in these kind of relationships that don't have early trauma. Um, you can end up being with a narcissist because you were manipulated or love bombed or, so I don't like to say all people had to have, you know, traumatic backgrounds to end up in these, these toxic relationships, but more than not, it's usually something to do with your early caregiving, you know, were your parents available? Maybe you were bullied. Maybe, you know, for me, like in adolescence, um, was really kind of ugly, kind of went through that gawky phase. And so yeah. I first had a boyfriend in high school. I was like, oh my God, this is it. I'm getting attention. This feels so good. So it was not only my early, you know, trauma being, an, you know, um, an infant and having, um, you know, aban- early abandonment issues. I also suddenly got, I suddenly felt rewarded by this attention I was getting from this boyfriend. And then what happens is you keep chasing that first high of that first relationship but you know, you're, it's a panic search for something that is that will slip away. You know, it's just not that possible to um, sustain that kind of love. It's yeah, no, totally, a hundred percent. So, um, I guess let's now stay in the lane of the people that you mentioned that um, are in toxic relationships, and maybe they were blindsided by a narcissist or something like that. What are how do you know when you're going down a bad rabbit hole? I know we've, we've done lots of shows on narcissism overall and like the red flags and the love bombing. And I mean, we can definitely recap some of that, but like in general, can we just talk a little bit about like what some of the toxic signs that might look like um, in terms of like, yeah, since you-, you already kind of know about the talk, you know, you've already mentioned love bombing, gaslighting, mm-hmm. um, things like abuse, verbal abuse, uh, mm-hmm. you know, feeling fearful, Losing yourself in the relationship, being lavished with gifts, compliments. They want your undivided attention. And then they try to convince you really fast that we're soulmates. We're born to be together. It's fate. I had one guy two years ago, I'm going to marry you on a first date, which was just ridiculous. Um, Yes. Yes. But, you know, if you're a codependent or a love addict, that's going to feel really good because your worth is based on you needing me, you wanting me, you validating me. So if someone says, I'm going to marry you, it's like, woo, woo, you know, this is, this is great, but it's not really, like I said, sustainable. Um, they might say, you understand me more than anyone. We're soulmates. One of the things for sure is if you try to set a boundary with someone who's toxic and they just won't have it, you're probably with a toxic person or a narcissist. And, um, I think that's the best sign of all is losing your bound, you know, not having bound when they don't, they don't respect your boundaries or you stop taking care of self care. <laughs> that can be a huge 
sign that you're in a toxic relationship because now you're losing yourself to turn it yourself into a pretzel to be with this person. That's a really good analogy. I did that once and it was a horrible situation. Like I constantly were putting my own needs at bay to appease that person and almost didn't even express, not almost, I didn't express like things that were upsetting me because I didn't want to upset that person. And like they were already upset about something unrelated and I didn't want to add to their upset. So I would. Well, they set you up for that, Mindy. I mean, because you've probably learned in the past that when you do have an opinion or you try to tell them how you feel, they ignore you or they stonewall you or they gaslight you. And so you learn, oh, I better not make waves because I'm going to lose this person's love. And by then you're already been in this, you're in this attachment and you don't want to lose that attachment. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I have to say a lot of people, some of the most successful people, including myself, can end up in these relationships because they're super insidious. You know, mm-hmm. even my I think of like financial abuse. I dated someone not that long ago that I was ended up paying for everything. Oh my God. I found, I know, ridiculous, right? And I think, you know, I was manipulated. Like, oh, you know, I took care of my parents and I really don't want to work and I'm on this fixed income. And so then you'll like go, oh, well, that makes sense. And, you know, listen, it wasn't bright on my part. But once you're kind of attached you know, and then they start coming up with all this, these excuses and manipulation, you know, hopefully you've done enough work on yourself, you're going to see it. But, you know, this is where the no shame or blame is once you're in it, it's kind of hard to see it because you're already yeah. chemically, you know, attached, um, mm-hmm. really want to be with this person. So I, you know, people might say, that was really dumb, Sherry. Like, why were you paying for everything? Well, you know, I was manipulated. I was truly manipulated. So I don't want people to think that they're dumb because they end up in these relationships because yeah. the, the minute No, that's a really good point. And you're like an expert in the space and like it could happen, it right? Because you don't know. You keep give people the benefit of the doubt. You want to walk around with guard, like a shield on your chest, like a guarded person constantly, right? You want to, you know, give people you chances. But, right. You want to be, I just had that conversation with that same friend yeah. <laughs> where she was talking about her situation with this man and she was saying she's so guarded and I was basically giving her the advice like not punish him but don't like don't use your past experiences and, and project it onto him because he may not be that person but also be somewhat you know take it one day at a time guarded but like it's a fine dance right so I don't yeah that's really good that you said that it's, I think it's, way, if someone keeps criticizing you which is what the cycle of abuse is about you know criticizing you yelling at you uh doing things that put you in this like uh fight flight, you're, mm. you're going to be like in a free state. You're going to be in a fight. You know, you're going to be like, what, what just happened? And that's mm. where you can be easily manipulated. And your self-esteem is kind of going down the toilet because someone keeps putting you down. And yeah, you know, it's, um, and the part that is just it's so hard is that it is so insidious. It's so like, it just comes in little, little pieces. And then before you know it, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe all the things this person has said to me that are just <laughs> so rule and so not nice and so harmful. Um, but one of the things you surely will know is if your anxiety is just over the top and you're just walking on eggshells, you really need to take a look. Like, am I in the right relationship here? What is really going on here? Because your body will not lie to you. That's so true. And that's where the trauma piece comes in. Being a trauma therapist, I really help people, you know, get in their bodies so that it's much easier to 
sort of go, oh, red flag, red flag. My body is is not feeling right. Something's not right, you know? And it's beyond intuition. It's actually like a felt sense that there is. Yes, no, because your, your blood pressure rises and all of your yes, content. Yes, yes. That's so interesting. I'm like so interested in your type of psychology. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm going to talk off camera. Like I would love to do what you're doing when I graduate. That sounds oh, it's so interesting. Really There's all kinds of programs, uh, somatic experiencing, um, you know, then there's things like EMDR. I don't do EMDR. I do tapping. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so important. I, talk therapy is not the answer for trauma at all. Yeah, I'm sure not. Yeah. Because you need to. Well, congratulations for going back to school. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I'm halfway through, thankfully. Good, good. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between a healthy love versus this um, love addiction. Like what are some of the true and tried signs of the, you know, the difference between the two? Yeah. Well, in a healthy relationship, you know, couples will meet each other. Maybe they'll idealize each other a little bit in the beginning. And then they start to form that attachment that I was talking about. Then as love matures, it just becomes less intense. It becomes more secure. You know, we're always wanting to move towards secure and safe. And that's such a great thing to ask yourself. Do I feel secure and safe? Because if you do, trust will develop alongside the love. But people with love addiction, they never get past that initial stage. They're like in love, love. They idealize the person they're in love with. Uh, They never feel secure. They obsess about them. They probably don't trust them. They become very dependent um, in a very unrealistic way. They hope somehow this person will um, sort of give them this happily ever after, will take care of them. Um, and it's really, you know, unrealistic to expect anyone else to satisfy um, that for you. I mean, you have to, it really has to come first from yourself and mm-hmm. get back to a connection with yourself. And inevitably, you're going to be disappointed if you're putting all your hope and dreams in this one person. Um, and then eventually there'll be resentment. The relationship will not be satisfying. Um, and that's, now that's a recipe for an unhealthy relationship. So I always say slow and steady, you know, wins the race. And guess what? That slow and steady relationship may not be as exciting as the ones that you're used to because you're used to picking things, people that you know, that you understand, that you've grown up with. And that's usually what you're attracted to. When you're, you know, being in a healthy relationship may not be something you've ever had. It may be like even boring to you. But give it time because, you know, if someone is nurturing and makes you feel safe, and you feel secure and they're kind and they're not abusive. This is all really good, healthy stuff. So give it time. Right. So I always say I'm attracted to the challenge, but that's necessarily, that's not a good thing sometimes, right? Being attracted to the mystery. Right. Uh, well, the challenge of the person is like, I like the chase of it. Like I was always, not so much anymore. Now, having been in school, I have a stronger head on my shoulders. At least I hope. But yeah. I... I do find that it somewhat like to be because when you're on your toes and you don't know what's going to happen and like it's exciting because you don't know, I don't know. Well, most like into or they're not into. Well, mm-hmm. I would say in that case, you know, sort of the bad boy thing or bad girl yeah. thing. I think usually you probably have an unavailable parent that wasn't yeah. there for you. Maybe they parents got divorced. Maybe there was alcoholism, addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they were workaholics. Uh, maybe they were sex addicts, whatever. They just weren't present for you. And so to you, you equate that to love. Like if I just can chase this person and get them to want me, I'll finally unconsciously get the love I never got from that parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Um, 
So the obsession that basically stems from the childhood base, is that what essentially yeah. the, the yeah. thought? Okay. Definitely. Okay. Childhood okay. caregivers that are unavailable physically, emotionally, feeling neglected. Um, you know, the greater the intensity a person's needs aren't met, the stronger chances of them becoming a love addict. Because they're trying okay. to you know, recapture and relive their childhood and get what they didn't get. They're looking for nurturing outside of themselves. Um, and so, yes, I, I would say more often than not, it, it, any addiction really usually comes from some kind of emptiness. Like another type of love addiction, which I don't talk about a lot, but I see a lot of people, they get addicted to the dating apps. They get addicted to um, having people contact them on Facebook and Instagram. And I have a lot of oh, that I can see. Oh, men or women, vice versa. Oh, oh, messaging and that I have seen do it and more complaints by the women. But I, mm-hmm. I I'm, that's not probably because I see more women. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I have had men that say uh, that I've actually had men admit that's what they do. And usually when we dig a little deeper, it's like, I mean, in one case, I remember he was in, uh, a child of an immigrant. Well, his parents came to this country. They didn't speak English. They were working all the time. He was left alone. And there you have it. Like, he's needing attention. So, like, mm-hmm. um, and, and it doesn't even really, and he never really even wanted to meet the person. He just wanted that hit. Like, just yeah. notice me. Uh-huh. Like, to have the, like, I guess, affirmation that someone out there is, like, interested or, yeah, yeah. to fill it, to fill up their that they have Void, yeah and their ego or what have you it's so interesting it, i could see that i could see it's sort of like when people even get just likes on social media well not in a romantic place but you know space rather but just feeling that validation from people they don't even know like just like oh they liked my picture or they like, like me yeah, or know that i mean like i was laughing because now you can get a blue check and pay for it on instagram and in the past, know. you had to earn it. Okay. So I said, okay, I'll pay for it. Of course I'll pay for it because I want that. Yeah. Check. Why do Same. I, want- I signed up for it too. Did you get your check? I got my check immediately. And I'm like, what kind of research are they doing? If I got a check so fast, like, I don't understand. No, I, had, I was waitlisted for my check. <laughs> you were waitlisted? Yeah. Why? How many followers do you have on Instagram? Maybe you have oh, more than me. I have a lot of followers you know, we can have a whole conversation, but the algorithms are changing. And so I'm losing followers all the time now, which is just so frustrating. But see, there you go. I'm frustrated I know. because I'm- I know, I know. It's so crazy. instead of saying, oh, well, probably the people that aren't interested are falling on the wayside. Great. Goodbye. But they right. know how to want you to want more. And then somehow that equals more people like you and you'll get more, you know, hits and you'll, you'll, you know, you'll get more clients, whatever. And it's really pathetic. <laughs> and I think a lot of it's us. It's really a whole other show. I know. It's so crazy with it. Right? And I think Social a media. person that doesn't have a history of trauma could get in this cycle. Like, I think anybody could go through this, not just someone. Oh, definitely. That's trauma. Definitely. It's, and then even I have like a teenager and it's, it's I, thank God I'm not like in her shoes, like growing up, I didn't have social media. I would have hated growing up in that era oh, with like God, all yeah. the pressures you have anyways, adolescent on top of all the social media pressure and everything like that. Okay. So we're and, almost out of time. I want to get to, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, 
you know, when I've been out on the apps and I've been on dating sites, that's another like, oh, are they going to pick me? Oh, they ghosted me. So I always say, I feel like the people are real. real. But I would just say, no, they're real, but it doesn't seem like they're real people because they don't know them. Like I don't get wrapped. I don't really tend to, are you on, are you single now or what's Um, your relationship status? The start of a relationship. Okay. That's good. Um, I'm not on any apps right now. I've been on them. I've been on dating sites. Um, I would say you have to really have a very healthy sense of self and self-esteem if you're going to go down that road because otherwise it could be, you know, if you're somebody that has a lot of insecurity and, you know, that ghosting turns you upside down, you know, you really probably should not be on any of those sites. No, that's really good advice. I agree with you 100%. But when are you in that place? Well, you're in that place when you realize this is just one way to meet someone and to not take it overly seriously. Mm -hmm. Like, if I meet someone, great, but I'm going to still put myself out there in other ways. I'm not just going to depend on this being my whole way of meeting someone. Which which sites did you like that you Um, on? I was on Hinge, Bumble. I think as I, I think match and Zeus only because there's more in the profile. I I really was triggered from, you know, with, with the swiping. I just thought, yeah, I, triggered in that it was too much for me. It's like, Oh, go away. All of you like, Oh, like it was just, it was, it was too much. I mean, which one was? That would be like probably Bumble or. or oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't like Bumble either. I, I think like you have to do the, the outreach first, and I hated that as well. Just I because. Don't like that. Yeah, I like the read who you are, even though they could be lying, but at least there's something there, you know, know. information rather than just, you know, their name, their picture. I know, I know, 100%. Okay, so codependents, narcissists, like they attract each other naturally. Is that right? Yeah, they do. Because you think of the narcissist, they both have the same like history of probably abandonment issues, which kind of puts them together in a trauma bond, trauma mm-hmm. bond where you both have this. Well, can you go into that a little bit too? Sorry, Sherry, can sure. you explain what that is? Um, there's three kinds of trauma bonds. There's the ones where you grow up with maybe unhealthy parents, dysfunctional family, and the siblings become trauma bonded because their parents, you know, had problems. So they were mm-hmm. really close to siblings. Then there's the kind where you're in an abusive relationship where there's an up and down, up and down, like they're pulling away love, you know, or then they're giving love and throwing a bone and then they're taking it away. Then you become addicted to wanting that validation again. And then there's the trauma bond of the codependent narcissists often find each other because they have similar abandonment issues. And so they, they meet and they they have this kind of dysfunctional background and like, Oh, this is so great. We're both so broken. <laughs> this is, this is, you know, this is a relationship from, from God. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so funny. Go ahead. But it's It's not. It's from the devil. Yeah. Yeah. My parents would, you know, and that's another type of trauma bond. And so the codependent is looking to feel needed. Their whole work is like, if you need me, then great. Like, like my alcoholic husband, if I could just fix you and get you sober, that is my whole sense of self-worth. And then the narcissist or even the alcoholic, when they're not in recovery, oh, take care of me. Do, you know, meet all my needs, you know, basically I'll be the taker and you be, I'm sorry, the giver. I'll be, the yeah. be the taker. And so that's that dance of the two finding each other. And it's, I can't tell you how many times codependents find toxic partners or love addicts. find toxic. How do you partners. break that chain? Like, how do you get out of that? 
I in, in like three minutes or less, if you can. Yeah, do it. I mean, I, that's like a, probably like a, a three month program at least. But okay, yeah. I mean, okay. Well, I have a program where people can join. It's a membership, and I've oh, good. All right, yeah. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, that's one. First of all, if you have real early trauma, you want to get a great therapist that specializes in trauma. So be very discerning. You don't want just a coach. You want someone who really understands trauma significantly. And I do that at sherrygaba.com if they're looking for a therapist. Um, My membership is for people. Not everybody can afford therapy, although I do take insurance for people in California. But the membership has all kinds of content and information on codependency, love addiction, toxic relationships. I have expert interviews. I also have a podcast myself called The Love Fix. So people can check that out. But if they go to wakeuprecovery.com, wakeuprecovery.com, they'll get a free ebook and they can find out about my membership, which is, you know, 30, $37 a month. So oh, that's great. Okay. Really, yeah. I wanted something to be available to uh, lots of people and we get online, I get online once a month and the content is, I have to say, I've been doing this for five years and it's endless content, but there's no rush. Just go through it at your pace. And, you know, the way we change the neural pathways is to have this kind of content in our ears to understand. And that's why narcissistic abuse is so big on Instagram, because we need to know what it is, but then you have to do something about it, which is get a great therapist or join a support group so that you don't feel alone in in that journey. Because being alone in that journey is the hardest part. Yeah, no, and feeling like there's something wrong with you, like right. it's not really you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there is, right. there is. It's not that there's anything wrong with you, but let's figure out what's going on and why you keep picking. You know, right? No, a hundred percent. But not that you were like you're not. I I I don't like add up to whatever their needs are. So I there's some. I must have a de- like a something like a defect of some sort. Exactly. Like that's what I meant. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. No shame. No. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, I'm in way, well, not way, I'm in my early 60s. And it, not until I got into my early 50s that this all, all the, the dots started, the dots, the, the cross. How do you say that? How do you say the crosses and the dots? You're, you're connecting the dots. The dots. Yes, yes, the dots. <laughs> Sadly, I understood exactly what you meant. <laughs> but yeah, go to Wake Up Recovery, get your free ebook, take my quiz, Am I a Codependent? And um, check out uh, my other stuff at cherrygaba.com or check out my, my podcast at The Love Fix. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and everything you do and keeping us addiction free. Uh, Appreciate it. Me. Of course. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Race for the Ring. Today's episode was produced and edited by Danielle Gordon. I appreciate your ear and insight. And if you like today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast. Be sure to check out my latest book, You Don't Need to Be a Bitch to Be a Boss. It's on Amazon and anywhere and everywhere books are sold. And be sure to say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at Mindy.Barnett. See you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.